cake or pie? Uh, cake. Yes. It's disappointing. Oh, it's not. A- That's two in a row. Welcome to Build Things Better. I'm Ben Peterson. And I'm Zach Reinhardt. And today we are joined by Jamie Feinstein. Hello. Hey, Jamie. Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, so, Jamie, how would you describe your business? Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess that's the, I guess that's the kicker right there is calling it a business. <laughs> um, I would describe, I mean, myself as just a, a metalsmith. Um, I do a lot of jewelry-related work. Um, and, uh, yeah, I come in, I mean, I'm, I, there's so many different sides to, to Jamie Feinstein. <laughs> I think I'm still just trying to struggle and try to wear all those different hats right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, between the business and being a, you know, having a young family and all the other things that come along with just being in your late thirties, you know, it's just kind of a, a realization, but, um, yeah, metalsmithing is my, my, my source of income. Yeah, uh, I love doing it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem, I, I mean, it doesn't seem like work. It just seems like part of my daily life, a, a ritual, I guess you could say. Yeah. You said late 30s with a bit of hesitation. It's, it comes up, it smacks you out of nowhere, and then, you know, it's just part of the reality. Yeah. You don't think about it. That's the thing, like, I mean, so if you call it a business, which I guess you could call it a business, but... Uh, I mean, I do what I love, and I, f- I feel like I'm a kid playing all the time. So when you come sure. up to, uh, when you get a little bit older, you kind of feel like the bottom's going to fall out, or like, when is the playtime done? But yeah, it's been it's been great thus far. But yeah, it's, all, it's something on the back of my mind. Yeah, I totally get that feeling. <laughs> I feel like I'm conning people all the time. Like, totally. I, I, mean, I tricked people into continuing to pay for my lifestyle, and I don't know how, and they will stop soon. <laughs> all that pie they're gonna find out you're a pie fan and they're like no (laughs) can't do it anymore yeah i can't support that lifestyle so what about metal smithing do you love um well i think it's just one of those interesting mediums where you think of metal and it's like hard and rigid and Mm -hmm. um it's a solid right but when you really get down to the the nitty-gritty of it it's there's so many possibilities i mean it, it can be moved and pushed and hammered and forged um, to be very fluid um, if you work with it in the right way. So, I mean, you can get these forms that are very organic or, or hard or soft. I mean, you can do anything you really, you really want with it. And, I, I mean, I suppose that's true for any medium, but it's not overtly apparent with metals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, I just, yeah, I, again, I don't, I think there's a good mix between science and, um, like, technical skill and then there's, it throws in that creativity behind it. So I think it meets all these things that I'm somewhat interested in to come together to make something that I'm really interested in, I sure. guess. How did you become interested in metalsmithing? Um, well, uh, I, I was an only child growing up, and my, my parents always, you know, the go-to was creative outlets. Um, so I would always do arts and crafts and stuff like that. And then uh, when I got into high school, again, I just for electives took as many craft and art classes as I could. Uh, and one of those classes, or a string of those classes, were um, jewelry design and metalsmithing classes. And, um, and that's where I really 
fell in love with the whole process and being able to make things that I think people could identify with and instantly have a connection with. Like, it's very personal, too. Like, not everybody wears jewelry, um, especially guys, you know. Guys don't wear jewelry very often. But when you find that piece that, you know, you really enjoy or like or feel naked without, um, that's what I, I think that's what hooked me on that as a medium for creative outlet. Like, that, seeing that appreciation, especially since it's, 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 there's more challenge in capturing that. It's not something where, you know, you, you walk buy it in your home or you get functional use out of it it's something where you truly have to connect like on a personal level at least that's my opinion maybe not so so speaking of that piece of jewelry that people like you say people feel naked with that what piece of jewelry do you own that is that type of piece for you oh yeah i mean it's pretty basic but it's my wedding ring um and i mean as of recently two bracelets i've kind of been wearing more bracelets on a regular basis so when I don't have one on, I feel I certainly feel a little lighter, and something seems to be a little off, you know. Um, but yeah, wedding rings for sure. When I leave the house, or I mean, it, and I take mine off all the time because I work with my hands. But if I'm doing something where I, you know, like driving my car, or just being out in public, and I notice I don't have it on, it really does. I feel really weird about being out without my wedding ring on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us about the first product you made and sold that kind of convinced you that this business could be a thing yeah in college what i mean the just flipping through like magazines and stuff like that for getting creative inspiration i came across this page with this beautiful ring on it or wedding set on it um and it looked like wood grain it looked like different colors i couldn't figure out what it was um and so i took the magazine to my professor in college and asked her what this whole process was Coincidentally, my professor was Japanese, and the rings were of Japanese descent. Like, the process came, stemmed from Japan. Um, so she was able to give me a good kind of general gist of w what the process was, and I just I fell in love with it from then on forward and, and ran with it. Um, so what is that process? Tell us about it. Um, so the process is called Mokume Gane. It's a Japanese process. Again, it kind of translates down to wood grain metal, and you basically... Um, you take different materials of metal. Um, the unifying factor, I believe, is, is the copper content in those, those metals. So, even, you know, you might use a gold along with a sterling silver, along with, you know, brass or cop copper. Um, but ultimately, in those alloys or in those materials, there's always a little bit of copper. But what you're able to do is layer those different metals up in, in a stack, kind of like a deck of playing cards. And from there, um, it can be, you know, typically I usually work with 11 to 20 some odd layers of material. And then uh, I stack, make sure they're really clean and you stack them up. And then under intense heat and pressure, you're able to melt them together um, on like a microscopic level so that you can still see each individual layer. But they're fused together for all intents and purposes as one solid brick of metal. It, uh, specifically, they're called billets when you first make them. And from that billet, you can then um, forge it down to certain dimensions, make it thinner, make it wider, um, and then you can begin the pattern patterning process. And that helps expose and get these really interesting color combinations and swirls and unique designs in the material. Um, so yeah, so it it's a super time intensive. You have to be really, uh, I think, attentive to detail. Like everything has to be miraculously clean for it to work, like a little uh, speck of dirt or like a grain of sand or like, uh, yeah, like, or, uh, like a 
something that came off on your sandpaper to clean off the material. If that gets stuck in the, in the process, it'll still fuse, but what happens is down the line when you start patterning, and that's the unfortunate part, is that you know, 40 hours later, you're coming across you know, making your fin final piece, your ring, and all of a sudden yeah. you're like, wow, there's a huge crack in my ring or something's not going right, or the, the metal is literally delaminating or splitting apart. It's most likely due to that. So it's, yeah, it can be a real kick in the pants, but no kidding. you know, you try to minimize those things. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it takes long just explaining the process. What portion of your business is commission versus repair versus sort of retail work? Yeah, so there's three. I kind of, I mean, loosely, I, I divvy up uh, my, like, eggs in my basket in three different fields. One's um, commission work, one's limited production work, and then... The last one is just general, like personal, one-of-a-kind pieces that I, you know, these are designs that I've tucked away or I've just been waiting to have the finances to be able to afford to, the materials to produce those pieces. And so I'll make them and then they'll be in my my inventory for sale, but they're personal and one-of-a-kind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most of my work really comes from commission work, which is wedding and engagements probably 80% of the time anniversaries get you know a lot of a lot of uh, commission kind of work from there and then you know just holidays like your typical christmas hanukkah uh, valentine's day obviously is a big jewelry kind of thing but yeah commissions make up a lot of my of my work um and then the limited production side typically are pieces that um I can kind of do, I bulk them up in like batches of 30 to 50, and uh, those get sold through jewelry stores or boutiques or, you know, any, any, anywhere that I think is going to be a good fit for carrying my work. <laughs> so what's it look like to, uh, to kind of start that design process and um, to turn that into something that people can actually see for sale? Um, yeah, I mean... A lot of times it starts in the shower or laying in bed late at night or just As like, most in, good thing right, you know, like yeah. in my mind, I will be thinking about it all the time. I mean, I think about everything, you know, and I always try to put some sort of meaning into my pieces, like from a personal standpoint. Sometimes it's, well, rarely, I guess, is it super obvious, but to me it is. Um, but yeah, so it starts off that way. It starts off in my head and then I'll, I'll try to get that design into a sketch, although that's like my weakest link. And the whole process is usually sketch, sketch work. I, I, I just, I'm not a two-dimensional artist, mm -hmm. you know? So sketching is mostly relying on, you know, on, on drawing or painting yeah. or whatever. So yeah, so I'll try to get some sketches out. And that's the thing, like my sketches never look like my, like as accurate or as, realistic or I just can't portray them like I can in metal so it's it's it tends to be discouraging does, <laughs> there's does that? the final product look closer to the original idea or the original concept than the sketch or um sometimes most of the time I mean that's the thing most of the time I'll sketch it out just to see what it kind of looks like and then like mm -hmm. I said I get discouraged so I'll change that in my mind and then from there a lot of times I'll just go hit the ground running and start on the project um, I'll go back to the paper to check out like dimensions or if I need to make measurements or do math. Um, a lot of times, you know, whether it's weighing out metal for uh, casting something or just getting a dimension for length or circumference, you know, making sure it fits on the body. Um, but after that, you know, I'll, I'll really just uh, 
try to think about it in my head and try to, you know, I mean, that's the thing about metals is that it, nothing's really quick when, you, when you're working with it. So, I mean, once you think of it, you know, getting it out, it takes a little while to actually get that to fruition. So it's, it's a slow process. It's easy to mess up, but going through it at a slow pace, you can kind of, it's easier for me to work that way. Jamie, what's your favorite product that you make? Um, yeah, my favorite things to make are those, are those wedding bands. The thing that got me started uh, in it in the first place. I, I really enjoy it. They're, they, they're just so symbolic, obviously. Um, and I'll, most of the wedding bands that I do are in that process of the wood, which, again, I, that's one of my favorite things to do. So you're kind of mixing two, two things right there that I really enjoy. Um, and again, it's just something that it's going to get used. People wear their wedding rings. There's necklaces, there's earrings, people switch in and out. But one thing, you know, people have an easier time spending money on or at least supporting is the fact that they, you know, they want a wedding band. It symbolizes, you know, they're committed to a relationship and whatnot. Um, but I really enjoy doing that because it's a, it's a win-win situation. People win because they, they are, they're supporting me in the sense that I'm doing something that I love, they're getting something out of it, which is a unique product that is, uh, in this instance, it's utilitarian, very, I mean, most oftentimes jewelry isn't very utilitarian, like a ne you don't need to wear a necklace to survive, or you don't really need to wear a wedding ring to survive either, but it's utilitarian in the sense that at least people know you're married. Yep. So, um, so I think people have an easier time, you know, splurging on something like that than they would other, uh, other items. Is there a product that you would like to make that you don't? Yeah, but it doesn't fall in the jewelry. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I always, I always gravitate to functional items. Like, obviously, being in Bench or being a Bench studio member, um, I walk out my studio and I see people making fantastic utilitarian items, and I'm really drawn to that just as a, from a practicality standpoint. And the fact that these items are utilitarian-based and can be so unique and expressive and creative um, makes them so much more enticing so whenever I find myself like drifting off or like dabbling in other design projects they tend to be like home-based goods or like small little knickknacks that like you know you can put in your home or I mean I just made a, uh, a bike storage like a, a wall hanging bike hook yeah um, out of copper that I think is really cool that I could you know I've it's just fun to make, and it's again, it's utilitarian, but it's got a creative look to it. So, yeah, if I could, if I could make anything else, yeah, I don't know what it would be. I, I'm, I'm drawn toward blacksmithing, which is again, it's it's metal smithing, but it's sure. on, it's with a little bit different metals. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun to dabble or learn learn that, but it's it's just a whole nother studio. Jamie, what's the most surprising thing about running a business? It's just a lot of work. <laughs> It is a lot of work. Yeah, that's, pro to, I mean, I know it sounds silly because uh, that's, I mean, of course, it's obvious when you, when you start your own business, you think you, you're going to be in it. You're going to be doing lots of different things. But then, you know, year after year, you're like, oh, well, you know, on your business plan, you're, you're working toward these milestones and like, it'll change. Um, again, I can always draw this back or correlate it to some sort of like child rearing. Um, I always think with children, it's gonna get easier. It never, it doesn't ever <laughs> get any easier. Um, it just, 
it just gets different. So, I mean, where I was five years ago and where I'm at now, um, totally different. I'm in a totally different headspace. The workload is still just as much. It's just, it's just different. There's more. I mean, I'm, I'm producing more, which is great. Um, and I'm, but I'm not doing as much advertising, which again is great, but it's still, you know, grass is always greener kind of situation, I think. Uh, where do you see your craft going? Um, I see it, ideally that's the thing, like coming up with this whole age thing, I feel like there's still so much to learn with what I'm doing. Um, I'm still exploring so many different avenues and just trying to figuring, trying to figure out my style as a designer in general. Um, ultimately, you know, in the future, I'm hoping that I can get to a point where I can bring people on to help me do the things that I'm not very proficient in um, so that I can focus on the things that I do want to be proficient in, whether it's metalsmithing or designing or whatnot. I don't think I could ever work in this business without getting my hands dirty. That's one thing I, I definitely know that regardless of where this business goes, if I, if I start expanding or bringing on help to either make, make designs or doing the design work or whatever, I think I'll always have to somehow sit at a bench and pick up a hammer, pick up a saw blade, and, uh, and get that done. That's really what, what fuels me. Jamie, can you highlight some makers that you think are doing great work in the Midwest? Um, <clears throat> I've, yeah, there's a lot. There's a, I mean, that's the thing too, uh, being at Bench and being in the community of makers is that, you know, that's, that's who I associate with and who I like to hang out with and who I talk with a lot. Um, so yeah, I think anybody that comes into Bench is a great, is a great maker. <laughs> I like, uh, Ben Maids of Al Quran. I think, uh, I think his food is is so amazing. I think his business model is phenomenal. I don't know, I, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't really want to know. I just know that I just want to go to his restaurant every night of the week. Um, he is certainly, yeah, I mean, he's like, I don't know. He's, I love it. I, yeah, I, I love, I'm so glad he came in a bench to make the table that he ended up putting in his restaurant. Otherwise, I would have never known really how good Alcrant would be, um, but he's he's definitely somebody that comes to mind as like a culinary just delight. And it that I mean that's he does every plate that comes out is a work of art really. Um, and Chris Hughes has been really really influential for me just as far as a business person and like a uh, confident. Uh, I definitely when I first started out we kind of connected, and um, he's kind of been like a, a mentor. Um, and he's a great role model as far as like the Omaha community, as far as, you know, yeah. how do you take a business from, you know, happenstance to, you know, bringing on over, you know, a dozen employees and whatnot. Can you tell us where people can find you online? You can find me online at jamiefeinsteindesign.com. You can find me at, uh, on Instagram. It doesn't matter to me, but. The things that I tend to post on Instagram, I try to censor or make sure that it's something that I feel passionate about, whether it's jewelry or every once in a while I'll throw like a picture of my family up there or something like that. Um, but yeah, jamiefeinsteindesign.com. On Instagram, I'm Jamie Feinstein. Um, I have an Etsy storefront as well. 
Um, and you can always find me at Bench. Well, thanks, Jamie, for joining us on Build Things Better. Thank you for having me. This has been a real delight. You've been listening to Build Things Better with your hosts, Ben Peterson and Zach Reinhardt. If you liked this episode and want to hear more of our episodes, please subscribe and you'll be notified when each new episode drops. To see photos of the products mentioned in today's episode, head over to benchomaha.com slash podcast or find us on Instagram at buildthingsbetter. Our intro music was written and performed by Leslie Wells for Flyover Country. Thanks for listening. Can you hear my nuts? Okay. Well, that could be a problem. Google me. <laughs>